Welcome to Nefarious New York. I'm Allison. And I'm Meredith. So just to summarize what we know thus far, Mayor. So Teresa Fusco, she goes to work. She has an argument with a co-worker. She gets fired. She clocks out. She's supposed to meet a friend after work and does not come home that night. Her mom assumes that she slept at the friend's house. Next morning, she goes to call because she does not, Teresa does not come home to get her things to sleep at her father's, and they realize she never showed up to the friend's house. So a missing person's investigation starts a couple of weeks after her body is found, not far from her job, and she has been sexually assaulted and murdered. What we did, what we covered in the end of the last night's episode is that there are some major things that don't make sense in his confession. Right. Now, Kogut, Restivo, and Halstead basically are now interrogated. They're arrested and convicted of this crime. That's right. And sentenced to a very long time in jail. And that's where we left off. Kogut, Restivo, and Halstead maintained their innocence. So although although they confessed, now they're maintaining their innocence. Well, Kogut's the only one right. that confessed. Right. Okay. Restivo basically just threw Halstead under the bus. He didn't confess. But I'm guessing right. his, his statement doesn't help because it doesn't line up with Kogut's. So they're going to just take Kogut's statement. Right. And we have seen, mm-hmm. right? So when we first started doing these cases... I always would say, why the hell would somebody confess to a crime they didn't commit, right? Mm -hmm. A false confession. But we have seen this numerous times of people confessing to a crime that they didn't commit. I don't know at this point if that is the case here, but we have seen it and it is not, you know, out of the ordinary. I know. It's, It's very hard for someone not put in a situation like that to understand But you really have to allow yourself to be in that vulnerable situation where you really have no control over anything. So they reach out to Centurion Ministries and the Innocence Project, who we've heard of. Mm -hmm. They're all both same goal to prove people innocent. Who have been convicted of a crime. And later, my alma mater, Pace Law School, joined in. But beginning in 1993, the samples... This is like nine years after... This happened because this happened in 1984. This is, yeah, quite a while later. They're in jail. So beginning in 1993, the samples of semen obtained from Teresa's body were finally subjected to DNA testing. And I say finally, listen, the DNA testing that was available was probably not going to help in this situation anyway. So now that there's, it's a bit more advanced in 1993, the mm-hmm. initial tests excluded Halstead, Restivo, and Kogut as the sources of the semen. So naturally, they take this information and they file motions to vacate their convictions. So basically to uh, cancel their convictions. Right. And they were denied. Wow. How could that be? Except maybe the test was not as detailed, so there would still maybe be a possibility that it could be them. Don't know. Hmm. Anyway, so they have to hang on for another 10 years. And a new round of DNA testing was conducted in 2003, 
which again demonstrated that Halstead, Restivo, and Kogut could not be the source of the semen found in Teresa's body. Mm. So next bit of evidence. So that's a big... That's huge. I mean, that's, 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 and that's what the Innocence Project does. I mean, they, they research these things, they, you know, especially with DNA and how it's changed over the years. And Mm -hmm. they've gotten a lot of people off based on that evidence. Yes. And it's, it's crazy, but thank God we have DNA, but there are so many cases of people getting out of jail after spending a significant amount of their life in jail for no, no reason. Well, let's see. Well, let's move on to the Q. Do you remember the Q hairs? The Q hairs, yes. Okay, so they were the hairs that were found. Found in the van. In Restivo's van that mm-hmm. were consistent with Teresa's hair. Okay. This is a little bit of, of hair science, which I did not know. Okay. So the state's theory from the confession is that they're in the van. They sexually assault her. They get her out of the van onto the blanket. Mm -hmm. He chokes her with the nylon cord. They roll her back up in there. They jump back in the van. They drive and they dump her. Let's Mm -hmm. say that this is all happening within not a long time. Right. The hairs that were found, they were also finally tested and said to have been from a body that had been deceased for at least eight hours. Mm. So... The state's theory that Teresa was only in the van for a few minutes after she was killed, right? They put her back in the van and then drove and dumped her. Right. They certainly didn't drive around for eight hours. That didn't fit the story. Correct. Meant that they were planted or accidentally put there by the police. So Kogut, Halstead, and Restivo's theory is that Volpe planted these hairs in his van because that was the only connection wow so they were from like they are consistent with like ones that the police would have in like evidence well on june 11th 2003 all three men's convictions were vacated the nassau county district attorney retried Kogut based on his confession and in december of 2003 Kogut was acquitted the district attorney then moved to dismiss the indictment against Restivo and Kogut on the ground that the DNA evidence disproved the state's theory of the case. The indictments were dismissed on December 29, 2005. Okay, so on December 19, 2006, Kogut filed suit and Restivo and Halstead filed suit on December 21st, just two days later. In April 2014, a jury awarded Restivo and Halstead $18 million, and mm-hmm. Kogut was awarded $1.5 million. Attorneys for the men blamed a now-deceased detective, Joseph Volpe, and other police officers for either falsifying evidence or withholding evidence from prosecutors and the jury. I I wouldn't even say or because we we know he did. Mm -hmm. The attorneys argued when a promising initial lead reached a dead end, Volpe, desperate to solve this high-profile crime, planted hairs 
from the victim's head in John Restivo's van and deliberately hid evidence that proved their innocence. They additionally argued that police had kept from both prosecutors and defense attorneys a report about John French's car that was stolen the night Teresa went missing. Remember when the car was found several weeks later, the owner reported finding a pair of women's jeans inside. Teresa was wearing jeans when she went missing. The jeans were lost and never examined. Right. And we already touched on this, how you definitely found it difficult to understand a false confession situation. But like I said, we got basically isolated for hours, locked in this room, potentially not fed or anything like that. Lied to about the evidence, told you failed the polygraph. They're being aggressive, physical, yelling. After 10 plus hours of that, you probably will do almost anything to get the hell out of that room. Yeah, I, I, I guess. I mean, I never, I don't understand it, but it. I mean, it happens. So I'm it's, obviously wrong. It happens. So now Teresa's case is unsolved because those guys. Didn't I was going to it. say it's it's unsolved at this point. It's a cold case now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm going to tell you about a few more cases. And you let me know if you think they're connected to Teresa's, if we think it was like a, a kind of like a serial situation mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or just a horrible coincidence for this area. Okay. First, I'm going to tell you about Laura Parker. She was 14 in 1984 and lived in Lindenhurst, New York, mm-hmm. on Long Island. She was a freshman in high school. In June of 1984, she left school after the final bell and never returned for softball practice about an hour and a half later. Her family filed a missing persons report. Her friends said that she was planning to run away, but her family denied that. Multiple people reported citing her throughout the summer. Her mother also received prank phone calls claiming to be Laura. Hmm. Her body was found in the woods in September of 1984. Her case remains unsolved. So that's about five months before Teresa went missing. Okay. Now I'm going to also touch on the disappearance of Kelly Eileen Morrissey. Who was also friends with... Right. Teresa. Correct. Okay. Kelly was born... That's why I had you mention that then. Okay. So Kelly was born on August 22nd, 1968. She lived on Long Island with her mother, stepfather, siblings, and step-siblings. She did not have a strong relationship with her father. She was a friendly and popular girl in the local high school. In 1984, when Kelly was just 15, she was dating an older man, John Kogut, mm. who was around 21 at the time. During her relationship with Kogut, she also hung around with 31-year-old Dennis Halstead and 26-year-old John Restivo. I'm not sure how long they were dating, but the relationship ended in March of that year. On June 12th, 1984, Kelly and a friend met at a local gas station. They were supposed to meet two men there. They waited for over an hour and then went inside to hang out with their friend, who was also the gas station attendant. After hanging out for an additional 45 minutes, the friend decided to leave Kelly at the gas station. Kelly waited there to see if the men would show up. When they did not show up, she started walking to a video rental store. Now, this is around 930 at night. This was the last time that she was seen. 
She wasn't reported missing right away because there were thunderstorms that night and her mother assumed that she had slept at a friend's house. Once she was reported missing, the police suspected that she had just run away, but the family did not think that was the case. She still has not been found and her case remains unsolved. But how Mm. crazy is that that she dated Kogut? Very strange. So that's about five months before Teresa went missing. On March 26th, 1985, so this is going to be four months after Teresa went missing. On March 26th, 1985, Jacqueline Martarella went missing. She was walking from her friend's house to her part-time job at Burger King, and her body was found on April 23rd. The autopsy revealed that she had been sexually assaulted and strangled. Same as Teresa. Right. Each one of these cases has something similar to the prank phone calls. Knowing Kogut, Restivo, and Halstead, the sexually assaulted and strangled, they're all similar. So the question here is, are they connected? Also, remember, when was Kogut convicted? Kogut, Halstead, and Restivo were in jail after after Jacqueline. So is that why nothing more happened that would be linked? Mm. Or is it just unconnected and horrible luck for this little area of Long Island. I believe they were they were all connected. But do you think Kogut connected or I don't I I don't know. I think I would probably have to know more about them or were they in the same group of people? The other people you mean cuz we know Kelly was It's hard to say. I mean, I don't want to say somebody's guilty when they're not oh, no but we're just i mean they're obviously it's not they're just not. too much of a coincidence to me that one right the one where she dated him yeah and but to me i just feel like all of these are connected in some way it's too much of a coincidence to mm-hmm. me but also you know then it stopped when these guys were in jail right As soon as they said she was dating an older man and it was him. Yeah, that's just. I mean, listen, I'm just saying what the facts are. I'm not saying. Right. right. I'm just in my head looking at them. That kind of was like, oh, shit. Is it possible they had the right guys all along? I don't know. But I'll tell you what. I would probably feel better about the situation had that stolen car never been taken out of evidence. Right. Had it been properly tested. Right. And all that evidence still be available because they could have tested those genes. Maybe they weren't hers. You know, they could have got something off of them probably and been like, oh, no, they're so-and-so's. You know, my other problem is that if Volpe was so eager in in finding out who this, you know, the killer was, why would you hide? Why would you misplace the genes? Well, I don't know that he was eager to find out who the killer was. I, w- I think he was eager to solve the case. Well, that's what I'm... S- well, it's different, or, Yeah, right? okay. Two different uh, things. I guess. Solving yes. the case or, or closing the case. Let's say closing, not solving. Right, you but the genes... You want to close the case? Right, but the genes would be, you know, that, that part of the... If that's the evidence that you're presented with first, I would think you would investigate that further. If you're eager to find out to solve the case... I would think that, you know, anything and it's not like, you know, he's he's exhausting things and he's going through so many different suspects and so many. I mean, it was, you know, basically two leads. Right. I mean, that we're 
focusing on, yes. That we're focusing on, yes. I think that they were saying that was kind of turning into a dead end. So I think they did pursue it a little bit, but it was going nowhere. So then he just shifted his focus onto Kogut and was like, I can close this case with this guy. And just went in hard on him and closed it. I don't remember how, so never mind Kogut, but Restivo, how he brought him in. That other Harry smile or something. Oh, right, right, right. You know, and I don't necessarily know. Okay, so maybe they didn't do it, but maybe they know who did. Maybe. But let's remember, too, that uh, Kogut was on their radar because Kelly was missing before Teresa. So he was a suspect in Kelly's case because he was her ex-boyfriend, you know, on the list of suspects. Right. So they were probably like, oh, look, look at this random connection. Let's get this guy for this case. So they just went all in on him, got him to crack. Yeah, that's, it's, 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 it's crazy to me. If I knew them, you know what I'm saying? If I knew them a little bit more, I'd probably have a stronger opinion. Right. I just thought it was interesting how many different ways this one could go. It's totally interesting. And I don't, the bottom line is all of these people are either, you know, were, were, were dead, murdered or missing. Right. And they're all unsolved. That's horrible. And unfortunately, the only people who know are for sure are, are the people who did it and the victims and the victims are obviously not alive. Yeah. Crazy. I know. So that was um, what I brought you. Very interesting and tragic. Yeah, very, very tragic and scary as hell to be living like a teenager living in that area. Yeah. I mean, this is not like we're not talking. And of course it was a van now. I wonder if it was a blue one. (laughs) Of course it was a van. Well, let's be honest. It probably happened in that guy's car that nothing was ever tested from. The van just got a bad rap in this one. So we will be back next week all right sing us out of this one okay nefarious new york (laughs) 